0: Welcome once again to Maybe Grove Covenant Church on this Resurrection Sunday. We're going to start off this time together with a little interactive experience. I'd love for you to participate with me. Kids, you're welcome to join in the fun. I'm going to tell you a couple stories, put a picture on the screen, and I'd like you to tell me if the story is fact or fiction. And uh, it's just a simple question. Is this story fact or fiction? The first picture is she is known for her beauty, she grew up in the Mediterranean, near the Mediterranean Sea. Two men fell in love with her. Two kingdoms went to war over her. Thousands of men gave their lives so that one man may have her as his wife. It's been said that her face launched a thousand ships. Does anyone know who this person might be? It is Helen of Troy. And according to the story, Helen was so beautiful that two men fought over her love. Prince Paris risked his life to rescue or in some versions capture Helen and bring her back to Troy or bring her with him to Troy. And King Melanius did not just stand by to watch this happen. He amassed the mighty Greek army and sent 1,000 ships to win Helen back, thus starting the Trojan War. Turn to one another and answer the question, is that fact or fiction? Go ahead and try to figure that out for a minute. All right, all right. For those of you, for those of you that know your history, your uh, Greek history, this is in fact fiction. This is not a true story. It is just Greek mythology. There is no real Helen of Troy. Sorry, gentlemen. Okay, here is another picture. This man is not known for his beauty, as you can tell. His name is Gordon Granger. And he served as a Union General during the Civil War. And although he fought many important battles, he is most known for the words that he spoke on June 19th, 1865. The Civil War was done. President Lincoln already gave the now uh, famous Emancipation Proclamation on January 1st, 1863. Uh, But many people in the Deep South never heard the news that the war was over. The slaves were not set free. In fact, slave owners tried to prevent the news of freedom from entering into their community so that the slaves would remain under their rule. Until one day, June 19th, 1865, Major General Gordon Granger, along with 2,000 Union soldiers, arrived in Galveston, Texas, and he spoke these words. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with the proclamation of the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. And on that day, thousands of slaves walked free. Fact or fiction? Turn to one another and answer that question. Is this a fact or is it just fiction? All right. For those of you that know American history, this is indeed fact. Two and a half years of waiting until the message was sent that slaves were, in fact, free. There is a statue of Gordon Granger in Galveston, Texas, declaring that slaves were set free, but they had to wait because no one mentioned, no one told them the message. No one, no one enforced the rules. No one let them know that they were, in fact, set free. Anyone recognize this young boy? He is from Imperial, Nebraska. He's the main character in the New York Times best-selling book, Heaven is for Real. He appeared on the Today Show, Fox and Friends. His name is Colton Burpo. And according to the book, Heaven is for Real, Colton almost died when his appendix ruptured. And while he was being uh, operated on in the hospital room, Colton had an experience with God where he saw God in heaven. In fact, according to the book, he sat on Jesus' lap. He, he, had, um, he saw his grandpa, although he wasn't sure it was his grandpa Dennis because grandpa didn't have his glasses on. And, and in heaven, he heard the angels singing. And in the book, he's asked, hey, Colton, uh, what were the angels singing? And Colton replied, well, they sing, Jesus loves me. And Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And then he said earnestly, I asked them to sing, we will, we will rock you. <laughs> but he wouldn't sing that. The angels, according to the story, would not sing, we will, we will rock you. But Colton had a glimpse of heaven. According to the story, Colton sat on Jesus' lap. He had this near-death experience. Is that a fact or fiction? Is heaven real? Go ahead. Talk to one another. This is last question. Well, I am not exactly sure if this is fact or fiction. But according to the Bible, heaven is this place. An actual place. And although Time Magazine reported a current debate over about heaven, the Bible clearly teaches us that heaven is real. And it's a place where there we are free from our sicknesses. It's a place free from pain, free from sin. It's a place where people will worship God forever. Here's one last picture. Anyone recognize this man? It's Jesus. And uh, this is a picture of Jesus from Revelation 3. where he's standing on the door and knocking. And Jesus also lived near the Mediterranean Sea. He was born in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, died just outside Jerusalem. He taught wonderful things. He raised people from the dead. He, He did many miracles. He died on the cross, and according to the story, he rose from the grave. Is that fact or fiction? Well, that's what we want to talk about this morning. This historical event, this story from ancient history, ask, asking and answering the question: Did Jesus really rise from the grave on the third day, or is this just a story? Is this just a moral story with a nice ending, or this, in fact, a fact? See, many people back then, as well as many people today, do not did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Many people back then, as many as well as many people today, have a difficult time believing that a man actually died and rose from the grave. And if that's you this morning, I just want to say you are in good company. Because many people back then in that first century culture did not believe that a man could actually die and rise from the grave. In fact, the the, the Greeks, the first century Greeks had no concept of a bodily resurrection. In the the Greek worldview, there was a separation between the body and the soul. And and when a person died, salvation for the Greeks was the separation from the spirit and the body. The, The person died, the body remains, and the spirit is set free. The Greeks had a very, very difficult time believing in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And the Jews were not too far behind The Greeks, because the Jews, most Jews believe that when you die, that's it, it's over, you're done. Uh, Some Jews believed that there was a, a resurrection of the dead at the end, the renewal of all things, there would be a resurrection at the end. But they had no concept of an individual dying and rising from the grave. See, most people, most Jews did not believe in the bodily resurrection of a human being, even the disciples. The followers of Jesus did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They did not expect Jesus to rise from the grave on that third day. You do not see the disciples running down uh, on that third day, counting down that Jesus was going to rise up on that third day. They they didn't expect it. The Jews didn't believe it. The, The Greeks didn't believe it. Even Jesus' own followers did not believe that Jesus would actually die and rise from the grave. See, once Jesus died, the disciples scattered. I mean, once Jesus died and he breathed his last breath, the followers fled. Some people walked to America. Some people went back to fishing. And and some disciples, they gathered in rooms and they locked themselves in rooms because they figured if they killed our leader, they're coming after me next. See, none of the disciples believed that Jesus would actually rise from the dead until they saw the resurrected Jesus. See, none of the disciples believed that Jesus actually rose from the grave until he appeared to them. Until they put his, their hands their hands in his hands and his feet. See, they didn't believe that Jesus rose from the grave until they saw Jesus on that beach in Galilee and he cooked them some breakfast. So they didn't believe until they saw the resurrected Jesus as they walked along the road to Emmaus. See, no one believed, none of the disciples believed that Jesus actually rose until they saw the resurrected Jesus. See, that's what we celebrate at Easter. We we don't celebrate the teachings of Jesus. We don't celebrate the miracles of Jesus. We celebrate this event that happened in history. We celebrate the phrase that many people are seeing all around the world. He has risen. He has risen. Indeed, hallelujah, Jesus died. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. Do you remember what happened to those disciples after they saw the resurrected Jesus? Do you remember what happened to these ones? cowardly, fearful men that were running for their lives? Do you remember what they did after they saw Jesus alive. They told people. They went out in the streets, they told people about Jesus in the face of imprisonment, in the face of possible death. They went out and told others what they saw, what they experienced, that Jesus appeared to them after the crucifixion. And they didn't talk about His miracles, they didn't talk about His teachings, they, they talked about one Thing, the resurrection of Jesus. They talked about what happened three days after Jesus died. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 1, page 1079 in your Pew Bibles. And in Acts chapter 3, these disciples share some facts with us. These first followers of Jesus tell us a wonderful story about this person of Christ. It's a story about two disciples, Peter and John. These are the disciples that Jesus loved. These are the disciples that that once Jesus died, they fled. In fact, Peter denied ever knowing Jesus. And now, Peter and John are doing some things differently after seeing the resurrected Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, verse 1, we read the following. One day, Peter and John... We're going up to the temple at the time of prayer. At three in the afternoon, now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from uh, for those going to the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. See, this is a crippled man, a man that's been crippled for birth. And what do these folks do back then and there? They had to beg for food and for money. But do you notice, please notice what these disciples do these once fearful, once cowardly men that didn't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. Notice what these disciples do to this crippled man. Verse 6, they say this, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. In the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, in the authority of the resurrected Jesus, walk. See, they saw Jesus performing miracles. And now in the name of Jesus, they perform a miracle to this man that's crippled. In verse 7, we read, Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went to them in the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. The crippled man could walk. And he wasn't just walking, he was jumping. And he wasn't just jumping, he was jumping, praising God. I mean, can you imagine if only for a moment, for the very first time after sitting for all your life, your ankles become strong. you can walk. I mean, if I was that man, I I would have been walking. I I would have been jumping. I would have been dancing. I would have been moonwalking across that temple gate. So excited to be able to walk. And all of a sudden this, this crowd gathers And in verse nine, we read this when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. They couldn't believe their eyes. This man that was crippled is now walking. And they praised God. They were in awe and amazement. And Peter saw this as a moment to explain the facts about Jesus of Nazareth. To tell the crowd what happened to this man. Verse 12. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel... Why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk? Peter says, we didn't do this. It's not by our power. It's not by our authority. We didn't cause this to happen. And then they start to explain. Now Peter starts to explain the story of Jesus in the face of possible imprisonment. Uh, These cowardly men, in the face of possible death, they start to describe Jesus. Verse 13, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified His servant, Jesus. The God of our fathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same God that we worship at this temple he has glorified his servant Jesus. He did this. See, the disciples are saying, hey, we're not trying to start a new religion. We're not trying to create a stir. We're just simply telling you what we saw, what we experienced. This Jesus has had that God raised Jesus. And then he turns to all the people and with great boldness in, in verse 13, it says. Peter says this, and he says this in verse 13. He says, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life. See, Peter very boldly points to this and He says, you did this. You killed Jesus. You killed the author of life. You killed him. Pilate was going to let him go. But you killed the holy, righteous one. If you notice, nobody argued with the disciples. Nobody says, you know what? I don't think Jesus really died. I think it was the swoon theory. You know, Jesus actually passed out. And then when he was in the the tomb, someone woke him up. Nobody said, hey, I think the disciples stole the body. Nobody said that. Everybody saw Jesus dead. They were there. They, they saw the, the spear going into Jesus' side. They saw the guards protecting the tomb where Jesus was lay. Nobody argued. Everyone agreed that Jesus had died. You killed him, and now he's dead. That's the historical fact. No one denied the death of Jesus. But then something unexpected happened. Then something amazing happened happened then something happened that God did that no one expected him to do Peter said you killed the author of life but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this you killed him he's dead But God raised the author of life. God raised him from the dead. You saw him die, but God raised Jesus from the dead. God did what no one expected him to do. And who are we? Who are we in this divine drama? We are witnesses. We didn't cause this to happen, we didn't make this thing up. We're not trying to start a new religion. The disciples say, We're just telling you what we saw, we're, we're just witnesses to God's power. We saw Him alive, we're witnesses of the facts. See, back then in ancient culture, like today, eyewitnesses hold much credibility eyewitnesses in the court of law today are very credible sources. And back then it was even more so because they didn't have video recording devices. They didn't have their iPhones or wherever they went. There weren't even many written documents. So an eyewitness back then was a very reliable, credible source. That's why in the New Testament, you'll read names like Mary Magdalene or James, the brother of Jesus, saw Jesus alive, meaning you can go and talk to them. They're actually here. They're eyewitnesses. You can go and talk to them and confirm what they said. They're eyewitnesses. And we must remember that this crowd not only saw Jesus die, but they also saw the disciples scatter. I mean, once Jesus breathed his last breath, the disciples scattered like broken glass. I mean, they they fled. They ran for their lives. They went back to Galilee. They hid in homes. They locked the doors. They did not expect Jesus to. To rise again. No one. Not the Jews. Not the Greeks. Not the disciples. No one thought that Jesus would rise again. But something happened. Something happened in history. Something happened that these disciples did not expect. But could not deny. Jesus rose from the grave. But God raised Jesus from the dead. These former cowards, these former disciples that were running for their lives, these former faithless men are now bold proclaimers of what they saw. Jesus, alive. We're witnesses of this. Now, I'm told that some believers, some followers of Christ, have a hard time sharing their faith today. They they think that if they share their faith with someone, someone's going to be offended by that, or they're not going to be able to answer all the questions that that person might have. And maybe we need to just take a a, a movement out of this, this, what these disciples did. They just told them what they saw. We saw Jesus. Jesus changed my life. I can't explain it, but I can't deny it. Christ is alive in my life. See, that's what these disciples did. They simply explained what they saw. We are witnesses of this. Now, jump down to... Acts chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. This is what it says. The priests and the captain of the temple guards and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were still speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. What were these chief priests so upset about? What what were these disciples preaching? It wasn't the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't any of the miracles of Jesus. They said one thing, one message. The resurrection of the dead. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead because God raised Jesus from the dead. That's what Peter reported. The facts, you killed him, but God raised Jesus from the dead. And we saw it. We're witnesses of this. Verse 3, then Peter. Then they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. They were upset. Upon hearing the message, upon hearing the facts, they were upset. They were disturbed. They were angry. So they threw Peter and John in jail. But not everybody was upset. Not everyone was disturbed. Some were very excited about the message, verse 4. But many who heard the message believed. And the number grew to, of men grew to about 5,000. After hearing what had happened, after hearing the facts about Jesus, that he rose from the grave, many believed. And it grew to about 5,000 men, which means about 10,000, maybe 15,000 people, if you include the women and the children, believing. Now, if you'll notice, they didn't see Jesus. They they were not witnesses, eyewitnesses of the resurrection. They didn't put their hands in Jesus' fingers or his hands. They They didn't put their hands in Jesus' side. They didn't walk along the road to Emmaus and have the Bible revealed to them. They didn't see the resurrected Jesus like the disciples did. They heard it and they believed. They didn't see it. They heard it. And that was enough. And they believed. They probably didn't have all their questions answered. They probably didn't have faith all figured out. But they heard the message and they believed. And the word believe is, 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 a, is an important word to understand. The word believe would better be translated trusted. They trusted in Jesus. Because, because many people believed many things about God. I mean, back then, like today, many people have all sorts of beliefs about God. The Greeks had hundreds of gods that they worshipped. The Jews had a way of, if you did the right things, they believed that if you do the right things, then you're going to get into God's good graces. Many people believed many things about God. These men, these 5,000 men, didn't just believe, they put their trust in Jesus. They, they, They believed in Jesus instead of trusting their own Religious beliefs, instead of trusting their own religious practices, they put their trust in their belief in the resurrection of Jesus as the only one who would save them from their sins. Peter says it this way in Acts chapter 3, a a response to what Peter said in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. He says this, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent. Repent meaning turn from your current understanding of God. Turn from your current practices of God and put your faith, your trust in the resurrected Messiah. Repent. Turn and see Jesus as the one to forgive you of your sins. Don't just think that your good works is going to get you to heaven. Don't just think because you believe the right things you're going to get to heaven. Don't just believe in reincarnation. Turn from your current belief and put your faith, your trust in Jesus. A friend of mine did that about four months ago. She grew up in the church. She grew up hearing things about God. In fact, she believed in God, God as this big God in the sky. But she never put her faith, her trust in Jesus until about four months ago she was here at our Christmas Eve worship service and while sitting in a pew just like yours she heard the message again that Jesus that God loves her that Jesus sent his son to die for her to pay the penalty for her sin and that she would simply have to believe in and receive Christ as her savior and be saved from the consequences of her sin And she heard that message on Christmas Eve four months ago, and she believed. She put her faith, her trust in Jesus as the Messiah. And in an email, she said this. She wrote this. She said, Jesus moved from a concept to a person. I love that. Jesus moved from a concept to being the Savior of the world to being my Savior. In fact, that's what she wrote. She says, Jesus is now not just the Savior of the world, but my Savior, my personal Savior. See, that's what it means to believe. That's what it means to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. Not just Jesus is the Savior of the world, but he's my Savior. Not just that Jesus died for the sins of the world, but he died for my sins. That I deserve to be on that cross for my sins. But Jesus took my place. He's my personal Savior. See, that's what it means when you believe in, you trust in Jesus as the resurrected Savior. See, that's what we celebrate at Easter. We don't celebrate the miracles of Jesus. We don't celebrate the teachings of Jesus. We celebrate an event that happened in history. That Jesus actually died. He actually rose from the grave. And all who put their faith, all who believe in him, will experience forgiveness of their sins and life eternal with God. See, that's the facts. This is not fiction. This is the story of Jesus, and this is the truth that will set us free. You see, even if there was a Helen of Troy, even if there was a woman with so much beauty that her faith launched a thousand ships, she is nothing compared to you. That your worth, your value, your beauty is so much more to God that he sent not a thousand ships, but he sent his one and only son to not only die, not only rescue you, but to die in your place so that you can experience his love forever. And, and you know, it's, it's one thing. As powerful as it must have been to hear the words of Gordon Granger, you are free, all slaves are free. How much more powerful is it to hear the word of God? All slaves to sin are set free. All those that are bound up in sin and the consequences of sin are set free free. Jesus Christ died to set you free. You are no longer a slave to sin or the consequences of sin, but the power of God has set you free and you don't have to wait two and a half years to hear it. You don't have to wait two and a half months. You don't have to wait two and a half days. You can experience Christ's freedom from sin today. And as amazing as it must have been for Colton to have a vision of heaven, As amazing as it must have been to have him sitting on Jesus' lap or seeing people that have gone before him or hearing the angels singing, it only lasted a few hours. It only lasted maybe 90 minutes. It only lasted a few hours. But Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross enables all who believe to experience heaven forever. Will there be no more pain? There'll be no more tears? There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more sin. See, that's what we celebrate at Easter. That's what we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday. We don't celebrate the teachings of Jesus. We don't celebrate the miracles of Jesus. We celebrate the historical fact that Jesus died and rose from the grave. And all who believe, all who put their faith in Jesus will never die, but will live with God forever. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus actually died and rose again? Do you put your faith in the resurrected Messiah? On the evening of Christmas Eve 4 months ago, my friend put her faith in Jesus Christ. And in an email correspondence, she told me she wrote this in her journal. She wrote this, "This is my spiritual birthday. This is the day I experienced new life in Christ. This is my spiritual birthday. This is my happy day. This is the day that God no longer is the Savior of the world, that Jesus isn't just concept, but he's my personal Savior. Maybe this could be your day. Maybe this could be the day that Jesus became your personal Savior, because that's what this is about. That's what we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday. We don't celebrate his miracles. We don't celebrate his teachings. We celebrate the fact that Jesus died and rose from the grave for your sins so that we might believe in and receive eternal, abundant life in Christ. As the band comes up here, I just want to lead us in a simple prayer. And the prayer is simply a prayer of faith. Maybe it's a prayer to recommit yourself to the facts. Or maybe you, you believe for the very first time in the death and resurrection of Jesus for your sin. And so I just want to lead us through a time of prayer. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just pray with me as we close our time together this Resurrection Sunday? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the facts We thank you for the story and your word about Jesus. That he died in our place. That he rose from the grave on the third day. And all who put their faith in him will be saved from the consequences of their sin. And if that's you this morning, if, if God is stirring in your heart, I just want you to look up at me. Just just to raise your your head and to look up at me and say, yes, I believe that. I believe that Jesus died in my place. I believe that Jesus died for me. If that's you, if you believe that, just just lift up your head and say, yeah, I believe. I believe that Jesus died for me. Because that's the facts. That's the truth. And if that's you this morning, then you are part of this grand divine drama of God rescuing the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, God, we do thank you for doing the unexpected, for doing the undeniable, for resurrecting Jesus from the dead. And it's in his name that we pray all this now. Amen.